What's up, everyone? It's your girl, Kristen R. Harris, and you're tuned in for another episode of God Put Me Up On Game. Hey, winners. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode of God Put Me Up On Game. You guys know I am so grateful. I'm so honored that you have taken a few moments out of your day to listen and get put up on that good, good game. In fact, I wanted to share a review with you that came in on Stitcher from Junie B. She said, I think what I love most is her willingness to tell the truth. The transparency is the best part of the game that she shares. Thanks so much for putting us up on game. Junie B, thank you so much for listening to God Put Me Up On Game. And guys, I appreciate your words of encouragement. I appreciate when you leave reviews. So please, wherever you're listening to your podcast, give me a review. It keeps me going. It keeps me motivated. And I love to hear what you have to say. Now, listen, today is going to be a little bit different. We're starting something new. Um, I am super excited, super stoked because today we are starting our first of many Game Changer episodes. And this is when I will introduce to you someone that I know who has an amazing story. Now, these may not be people who have huge social media followings or they may not be names that you know or they may not be you know business owners or um you know just just big names but they have a story to share and they have game that they learn from that story and for that reason they are game changers and I wanted to invite them to share their story with you so that you can hear the game that came out of that story you can see the game that God shared with them and they can share that good good game with you so today this week for our first Game Changers episode. And again, these episodes are going to um, air once a month, probably the first Wednesday of every month. So this week, this month for the first one, I have a good girlfriend of mine. I'm super excited to talk to her today. Mrs. LaWanda Miller. Hey, LaWanda. Hey. How hey, are everybody. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm blessed. Wonderful. Good. Well, LaWanda, thank you so much for joining the God Put Me Up On Game podcast. Um, I really appreciate you for being here. And I know that I know you, but the Winner Circle does not. And the Winner Circle are our listening audience. So they don't know LaWanda Miller. So if they okay. were meeting you for the first time, what would you tell them about who you are? Um, well, first I would say I'm a wife of 23 years yes <laughs> I'm a mom of six living children wow and um one that passed away um I am I'm a friend um I'm a daughter I'm a sister um I'm a praying woman I'm a woman of God yes um and I just love to enjoy life Yes, she loves to enjoy life. I call LaWanda, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Because <laughs> I don't know where she's going to be from one moment to the next. I can look, I have to keep up with her via social media because I look up, she's over in Italy, you know, then she's in Peru, then she's in Australia. I'm like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? But I love it because she is living life to the fullest. Now, you may have just heard what she said. She is the mom of six living children and one that is deceased. And that is actually what we're going to talk to LaWanda today about because she has um, endured a tremendous loss. She has a story of tremendous loss. And the interesting thing is, as I said, LaWanda is one of my girlfriends, but 
I didn't even know her when this loss happened. And so when I came into her life, this was something that had happened in the past. And I did not learn of it until one day um, I saw it on social media, I guess, as the anniversary of her son's death. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I never knew this. But I'm saying that because it really speaks to um, her not looking like the things that she has gone through and me not even knowing that she had suffered such a tremendous loss. So today, as I hear this story, it's going to be as new. It's going to be new to me as as it is new to the listeners. So, Lawanda, go ahead, share with us um, the stories surrounding this loss of your child. OK, well, first, let me just start by saying we had had um, we kept having these girls. <laughs> Our first um, daughters were twins. Um, me and my husband, we were young. We were 20. We met in high school. And we had these twins first and then waited till after we got married and um, our family grew. So by this point, I'm like, okay, can I get a boy about you? (laughs) I had, it was five girls. And finally, finally, and we were not even trying at this time. We were were just moving to a home and there was an extra bedroom. And I said, okay, this is going to be the baby's bedroom this is gonna be we don't have a boy this is gonna be his bedroom I didn't even know I was pregnant so then um after we found out I'm like oh because everybody kept asking me well do you know Simone I was like no we're not even trying what are you trying I didn't even find out until I was about four months and um at this point um everybody is super excited um everybody is just doing everything um in preparation for um this baby boy even the the girls are just super excited so we um we have him it's like a big extravaganza it's like a uh uh what would you call it like a um oh god i can't even get the the word out of my mouth when we came home from the hospital everything was being video it being video oh yeah it's a recorded. huge homecoming yeah yes just, it mm-hmm. was it was it because was, this this is event. the boy you've been waiting for this is the boy and this was like an event. And so he came, my mother just nicknamed him Angel. You're just out the blue, just Angel. And his name, um, he was named after his dad, Deville um, Miller Jr. So he was our DJ. And from that point on, we were inseparable. I didn't work at this time. So we were inseparable. He was with me all the time. And he would, um, when he finally started preschool, um, he started preschool because the other girls were all in school. So he was kind of waiting to go to school. He was best friends with the youngest girl. Okay. So they were like two peas in a pod. They were always together. And even though he had these sisters, he knew how to handle them. <laughs> I have stories, just, uh, um, just really funny stories. They talk about him often. Um, and so after um, he went to school, I'm just home alone now. And then it was certain points because everybody said, oh, he's so spoiled. You just let him get away with murder. Well, only because, and I'll back up a little bit. So at six months of age, we found out that he had asthma. Mm -hmm. And this was only after um, we had had an all night, a prayer shut-in. I know everybody know what a Mm shut-in is. Hallelujah. We had a a shut-in. And that morning when we came home, I made breakfast. And he was, it was about that time for him to kind of start venturing out, eating foods and everything. He was a big baby when he was born, nine pounds even when he was born. So um, I gave him some grits and eggs. 
so shortly after he started coughing and coughing up all this mucus and it scared me and so I called my mom and I tried to call my husband so I rushed him to the ER and I asked them um does he I was trying to see did he have asthma mm-hmm. because that was the first thing that came to my mind because my husband has asthma and they had pretty much ruled it out they said we won't diagnose until they don't like to diagnose it for things like that until they get a little older went to the ER and everything and they had to get them all you know checked in and he had a bad experience and I say to this to the day he left here I believe he remembered that doctor's visit because he hated doctor's visits they were trying to put an IV in him and um it just was not working Mm -hmm. so even after that he was still not diagnosed as an asthmatic not until he's about um maybe a year maybe a little after a year because he would have like certain little you know episodes and then they did an allergy test so they did the allergy test and I take that back it might have been about nine months when they finally diagnosed him because different things were happening and we were finding out different foods that he was allergic to at the time and so they did the allergy test came back he was allergic to um eggs corn um nuts um uh what was it eggs corn nuts and fish and so we everybody in the house was you know everybody was diligent with it he knew what he was allergic to at a young age he knew what he could and couldn't have we didn't have a problem if the kids were having nachos he knew he could only have like plain chips Mm -hmm. and he knew and so um and how old is he at this point he's like a gear when everything kind of really finally settles in and we get in the groove of things and stuff he's like a gear Mm -hmm. and he really understood what he could and couldn't have and um and that wasn't that was never a problem um for us with him he didn't fight it or try to you know cry for it he just knew and so um in the meantime we're enjoying life you know he's getting older he's in preschool and this is my heart and so because I did not work um with having three kids under five at the time we did a lot of little trips on our own especially in the summertime we just kind of just went out all the time because the other girls were older and they were in camp and different things and so whenever his preschool teacher I could see her face now she would get upset when I'd be like okay he doesn't want to stay today so we just gonna leave (laughs) and she would tell me no I was like well he's you know people say you know kids that fake like they sick and they really not sick he would never do that and I knew when he wasn't really feeling it I said okay we're gonna go back home Mm mm-hmm you know, and so the teacher would always, you know, I can't, I think kind of doubt my word. And, but I let him have his way. I, I did. I mm-hmm. let him have his because way. Because that was your baby boy. That was my baby boy. <laughs> it was. And, um, and so, um, this particular season, um, the weather was really bad. It was like all over the place. And we were planning for my cousin's wedding. And I had just went back to work. I had only been back to work. It was in May. I went back to work. And I had been home all this time. So my eyes and ears were open to everything. I had no distractions. I knew exactly what was going on. But when I went back to work, that was a distraction. Mm-hmm. And I was traveling. And, I was, you know, the kids were with my mom and everything after school or just in general with him he was still in preschool so after preschool and but I I, I honestly believe and I still believe to this day that 
a working and it's not like a working mom, but we really have to make sure that we have a job that can kind of cater to us mm-hmm. as moms mm-hmm. and not take away so much time from home because we can get distracted. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, kind of fall off our square. We're not as open and we're not, it's a different kind of tired that you are opposed to when you're with your kids. Absolutely. And you're tired. I, I, and def- so, I agree. I agree. Yes. And nothing so, against working, being a no, working totally mom. No, totally nothing. Totally nothing. Yeah, you you really have to make sure that mm-hmm. you're dotting all your eyes and crossing all your teeth yeah. because you expend so much energy yes. for someone else. Yeah. <laughs> then sometimes it's kind of, you're you're depleted when you get home and you need to yes. be able to be what you need to be for your your family. So I I totally understand what you're saying. Yes, and I just now more than ever and I was always the type to be like you know well you know okay it's a job or you know but now more than ever I'm like that job is not my source that job does not take care of me Mm -hmm. and um, I have to remember that and remember that these jobs don't care anything about us and they will let us go at the drop of a hat so we have to make sure that we're making um, you know the right moves when it comes to employment you know so this particular night, I had worked late, um, and I was coming from Rolling Meadows. Uh, well, at this point, I was still in the office. Was in Schaumburg, ten minutes away. That wasn't much, but ten minutes away in Schaumburg. Um, and so I met my family. My mom had my son, had all the girls actually, and met me over by a banquet hall. And I had to meet them because I was grabbing the kids. And again, my cousin was getting married. Everybody was all excited about that. And I could see his little face. He just looked a little tired, you know, but he was like happy to see me. And um, I was like, okay, we're going to get home, get grab something to eat real quick. So this might have been that Thursday, maybe that Friday. And so the next day I went to, it was a Saturday, went to get my hair done. And this might have been the week before. Because we had to wait a whole nother. This might have been like the week before. And so I ended up giving him, it was the week before. I had to end up giving him a treatment because, the again, the weather was kind of off. This was in September. So the weather was changing. And um, I remember giving him treatments through, you know, throughout the week and everything. I pretty much knew what to do. And he would feel better. And then um, the following week, um, it was a Saturday. It was time for the wedding. And um, I had been up through the night with him because he was kind of battling a cold at the same time. And so I've been up with him and he actually had slept with me and everything. And, you know, he was feeling not his total best, you know, but he was he was doing good. And I left the girls and said, I'm going to get my hair done. I'll be right back. Went to get my hair done, came back to the house and um, I gave him a bath and got him dressed and everything because I left out early gave him a bath got him dressed and everything and it's okay take your thing (laughs) I didn't know that would be the last time that I would bathe my baby. Mm-hmm. 
I got him dressed and um the two younger girls were flower girls in the wedding. So I got them ready, got them out the house. And I was gonna go to the wedding and um but I was trying to see about him and I was asking my husband, I said, um, just can you just take him by the that by the doctor's office, you know, um and I won't be that long. I'll just go to the wedding. I won't even do anything else. Because um, we were just giving him treatments. He was like, I'll just give him, you know, treatments. You know, I said, okay. And and I said, DJ, I said, DJ, um, mommy's going to go to the wedding. I said, do you want me? You want to go to the doctor? He was like, no. He didn't like the doctor at all. Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, okay, I'll be back. So... Hey winners, we're back. Um, as you can expect, this is a hard conversation. Um, you know, reliving all of these things that happened leading up to the passing of her son um, really evoke a lot of emotions in Lawanda. So, one, I just want we wanted to take a break so that she can, you know, get herself, gather herself, and <clears throat> I was very. I'm cautious to even bring her back because I wanted to make sure that she was okay and she insisted that she wanted to finish so we're going to finish and she's going to pick up the story from a place that she's comfortable with and that is being at the hospital so Lawanda take your time and you, you know share what you're comfortable sharing that won't be too hard for you okay okay so at this point um I get to the hospital and, um, you know, everybody is there. Not really, didn't want to really give me answers because the, the doctor is still doing his thing, the nurses, and they didn't call it until I got there. And so um, my husband was taking it very, very hard because he was with him. Mm-hmm at the time and um he was um he was taking it very hard and so um he kind of left you know went out the hospital um I think just went out of the emergency room um but the girls were there um and actually two of the girls the oldest girls had just went away to school that August and went to college first year of college so we couldn't tell them anything. We just had, you know, family members to go pick them up, had one of them fly back in and didn't tell them anything. And my cousins and my brother drove to go pick up. They drove all the way to Kentucky, picked up one and brought her back. And the other one had to fly in. And they did not, um, again, they didn't know. But what I could hear the Lord telling me is and it was like it was it was so crazy you don't really know it or you wouldn't even understand unless you've been in like a a traumatic type of situation but you 
your mind is moving like steadily. You're not like you're, you're, you're thinking clearly and you can hear God and you can move and you're like, all this commotion is going on around me, but I could hear him so clear. And he was saying, gather your family, get your family, get your husband because and all the while, while this is going on in my mind, I could think about this is how families break up. It was just, it was like, things were, it was, it was so crazy. And I was like, oh my God. And during that time, me and my husband were even at odds. We weren't close and, and together like we are now. And so that's all I could hear God saying was gather your family get your husband and so when I found I had somebody find him in the hospital and he came back he was like I'm sorry he was like this is my fault I know you mad at me and I'm like no I was like you're not God you what are you talking about and we just we were together in the room and I just all I could do was pray and my faith has never been so big I don't even know where it came from um I don't even know where the stress came from but all I could do was you know where it came from well yeah (laughs) in in his weakness I mean in your weakness his strength is made perfect yes perfect and all I could do I laid with my son until they came to get him and that was one of the hardest, the hardest day to this date. And I, um, I don't dwell on it, but I don't forget. I just, um, I've learned how to be more thankful. Mm-hmm. And even up until the days of his service, through my tears, I never questioned God. The only thing I can say was, I trust you. I trust you. And, and so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Finish. And um, my pastor did the service. My mom is a pastor as well. So she, I, re- I didn't have to do anything that would be um, where I would have to go or view his body or anything like that. I didn't do that. My mom did. And the night of, it might have been maybe the week after, because for the first week, literally everybody slept in the same bed. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, But that's how close we we are and I didn't want anybody to feel alone I didn't want anybody to be alone and And you were gathering your family yes and so we all slept in the same bed for like the first four or five days and uh, I could hear Sierra she was like um, she was like her brother was in heaven she was only six at the time she was six and she was, they, the little ones were actually trying to make plans for the service, which <laughs> was the sweetest thing. <laughs> so they wanted to do 
the Spider-Man theme. That was his thing, Spider-Man. So we did it. I had his, the last bed that he would lay in wrapped in a Spider-Man type of um, cellophane. You know how they wrap um, the cars? Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. took his um, casket over. And it was a, like a midnight blue. It was so pretty. It's a midnight blue. And we had it wrapped in Spider-Man. And he had just received um, from my mother-in-law these Spider-Man pajamas that he loved to wear. So I asked her to go get some new ones. Got that. And so we knew what he was going to have on and everything. And the girls planned to have the balloons. So we had the balloon people do the balloons and just so it would be because there was a lot of his little friends there as well. So it was almost, I don't want to say kid friendly, but it wasn't um, scary Mm -hmm. for children that would be there. And I thought about that afterwards as well. Um, So after the services, and everything and everybody was gone. And um, I remember asking my husband, would I be selfish if I, I didn't even get the rest out. All I said is, would I be selfish if I, he was like, wanted another baby? And I was like, yeah. He was like, no. I said, yeah. I said, I just felt like I was cheated. I need a do-over. And he agreed. And before I did anything, I talked to the kids. Now, at this time, we have... um, Deja was in eighth grade at this point, and the girls were in college. The other girls were, like, in um, second and third grade, I believe it was. And... The older girls was like, no, you know, we thought you would have been had enough baby. I'm like, what do you think this is? <laughs> they said because the way right. you're out here pushing them out. <laughs> right. And, and literally, I was done. Literally, I was done. But I never got my tubes tied. I just got an IUD. And everybody asked, I thought you were done. I thought, I said, I am. They was like, well, get, get your tubes tied. I said, no, that's too permanent. So final. Yeah. Yeah. That's too permanent. <laughs> I said, anything could happen. And they were like, girl, I'm like, anything can happen. So when this happened, this was my anything. Mm. And um, we asked the younger girls, and Sierra was the baby at the time. She was the baby girl. And I was like, Cece, what do you think about mommy having another baby? She said, you got enough child. (laughs) (laughs) She said, you got five down here, one in heaven. I said, okay. All right, I put, I stopped, I've stopped. I put, pumped the brakes and there was going to be nothing because I never wanted my living children to believe or feel like they were not enough. Mm-hmm. And so I said, we will not do anything. So Devel was looking at me like, what? You let a six-year-old? And I was like, yes. I said, because I don't ever want her to feel like her love was not enough. Like I just like DJ was everything, and like I was trying to replace. I never wanted that, where I was trying to replace. And so one day out the blue, this maybe a few weeks later, she's like, 
okay, mommy, we can have a baby. We can have a baby. Uh-huh. And I said, you sure? She was like, yeah. She was like, it'd be fun. I said, okay. So I let my husband know. And in my heart, I wanted it. But deep, deep down, I was like, what if it's too much? Or what if I'm not ready? So, and normally it wouldn't take me nothing but just look at me real good and I get pregnant. So, <laughs> literally, months, a few months had went by. Few you roll months. over, get out the bed, you're pregnant. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, I was like, okay. So, I'm waiting. And so, um, DJ's birthday was December 8th, 2006. And when we got pregnant, I was given the due date of December 16, 2012. So I'm like, really? Okay. Mm, wow. All right. So we're all ecstatic, and my husband was praying and hoping for a boy. And I said, yeah, that would be nice, a boy. Okay, we have a boy. All right, another boy. But when we had this nine pound, 15 ounce baby, <laughs> the girl, a little fireball. <laughs> yes. He was very, and he went through a thing when I got the ultrasound and found out he was not happy. He didn't let me know that. I found that I could tell, but he didn't find that out. And I didn't find it out until later. But when she was born, she literally stole his heart. And he agreed with me that it would have been too hard to have her as a boy. Mm-hmm. I say that because she is the spitting image of my son. Literally. Her demeanor um, as she was growing up, the way she would laugh. We look at like, because she would just laugh. We'd look around, turn around, and he'd look at me. i look at him, he'd be like, that's DJ laugh. And I'm <laughs> like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> And so do you feel like God restored, I mean, not, not that DJ can ever be replaced, but because she is so much like him, do you feel like, you know, God said, okay, let, let me send something or send someone to you who, who resembles DJ, who acts like DJ, who sounds like DJ, so you can know that, you know, you have a piece of him here on earth. I don't even know if it's so much as that because um, I I just believe she definitely has his spirit she Mm -hmm. has his spirit I said I don't know if you guys crossed paths while you were (laughs) on your way (laughs) coming to me I have no idea Um, when she was younger she was in my mom's daycare and she might have been a year and a half two years old now in the house in the house there are pictures of every family member and DJ included we didn't exclude we've never stopped talking about we have um, annual birthday celebrations and um, we've never stopped talking about DJ that would be like he wasn't here Mm -hmm. and I never wanted it to be a thing where they felt like he wasn't here. Um, and each one of the children went through their own grieving um, portion. Um, the youngest one, 
as young as she was, she wrote letters and she brought them home to me one day, a few months after, because we was just talking and she was like, I write letters. Sometimes I cry and I'll just write and I'll draw pictures. Now she's only six. And I said, really? I said, bring them home to me. I didn't know what to expect. She had an envelope full of letters and of drawings that she wrote to her brother and about her brother. Um, My next child, Azari, suffered academically. And um, she ends up being held back a year. Um, The next one, Deja, um, I think just held some stuff in as a teenager or coming into a preteen. But um, we were able to talk a little more and she, but she, she became a little defiant. Um, the youngest twin, she suffered academically as well for that next step for that semester. And she was put on academic probation. Um, but through, through prayer and just through talking to the girls, she did, she, she's doing, she did well. And, um, the oldest twin, she didn't show any signs until maybe a couple of years later. And I literally did not hear from my daughter for two years. She talked to her twin and I'm like, can you ask her if she's mad at me? Did I do something? And I don't know. I just think it might've been too much for her. Mm -hmm. And then God is real because I had been praying and I'm like, God, I'm not, I can't worry about something that I can't control. All I can do is give this to you. And if I'm worrying about it, that means I'm not trusting you. Mm -hmm. So I didn't worry about it. I prayed for her often, but I did not worry about it. I didn't let it consume me. And I would ask about her from her twin, but then I had to be careful. I did not want her again to be like, that's the only right. The only reason why you calling me is because you want to ask about Bria. So I had to limit that conversation and just call and ask about her, you know, and maybe when we were done talking, be like, okay, if you hear from your sister, tell her I said hello. One day on social media, on Snapchat, and you know, you have to have somebody's phone number in order to have them come up in your contacts, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have Bria's phone number, but all of a sudden, a Bria M popped up. I'm like, what? I was like, okay. So I, I clicked on it just to see. I wasn't sure. I clicked on it just to see. That was one evening. The very next morning, I had a message. Hey, mommy, how are you? Oh, my God. I couldn't get ready fast because I was getting ready. I was checking my phone that morning, you know, checking everything. And I see this message. And I messaged her back. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm fine. How are you? I was like, um... Send me your, I was like, can I call you? She said, yeah. I said, send me your number. And I didn't know how to do Snapchat at the time like that, to save a number. I deleted I said, oh my God, I deleted her number. It was like my lifeline just, just, just died. I'm like, (laughs) no. (laughs) She called me back and we talked for two hours that morning. It was like, we picked up and I asked her, I said, I'm only going to ask you once. And I promise never to bring it up again. I just want to know what happened. So we talked about it that day and it was done. And I said, whatever is going on in your life, just trust me. I don't judge. 
you are mine. You came from me. And we had a good conversation. And to this day, I held on to my promise. I've never brought that up again. So let me ask you this. In that moment, because you said you hadn't talked to your daughter for two years, did it feel like another season of grief for you because you had lost a child? Did did that feel like losing a child again? That's a good question. Um, at one point, it did. But when Brianna let me know that they were in contact, you know, that she knew, you know, she was all right or whatever, or she was talking to her because Brianna was still in Kentucky and Bria was away at school. Um, she was in Florida and then she moved to L.A. So at this point, I had no contact. I didn't know what was going on. Um, but Brianna, she stayed in contact with her sister. And so I just held on to that. And I literally just trusted God. I didn't even look at it as a death or or me mm-hmm. missing her. It wasn't like that. It um literally was just um a desire to just I just want to hear a voice. But I never thought of it as a death. And um I never let it consume me like that. I, I just I just didn't. Well, probably because, and I, th- this kind of goes right into what I want to say, because when I listen to you and I hear about, and I hear your story, I hear the game. And I the, the, the three things that I heard that stood out to me were faith. Um, number one being faith. Your, your faith and your trust in God really went to another level. And I know we quote that scripture, Romans 8, 28, all the time. You know, we know mm-hmm. that all things work together and that all is the good, the bad and the ugly. But Mm -hmm. when we're in the ugly, which that for you was a very ugly situation, losing your child. um, We can't see how any good is going to come out of that. But just even seeing how you're able to navigate better through the next situation and the next situation, it's like, God, if you brought me through that. Yes. I know you can bring me through this. Like I got to have a flashback. I got to recall. And so your faith has gone to another level. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I hear is your gratitude Mm -hmm. because God, I like, because this has happened in my life, God, I'm so grateful for everything. Like I I praise you and I thank you. I thank you for stuff that other people probably don't even think about because I know what it feels to lose. I know what it feels to, to go through and to feel like, you know, I will never come out of this. Mm -hmm. So your gratitude has gone to another level. And then the last thing that I hear is your, the, the relationship with your family, the bond that, something like and I heard you say this these 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 type of things break up families Mm -hmm. but that brought you that much closer and it's so funny you even said that because that was one of the things I was going to ask you like Mm -hmm. how does this impact your marriage because Mm -hmm. I could see um your husband feeling like you know this is my fault because this child Mm -hmm. was in my care and Mm -hmm. now this child is gone and this this mother is without her child you know how does that impact your marriage so to 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 know that God in that moment in his infinite wisdom he got in front of that situation and said gather your family like get your family together don't just assemble them in a room but what I mean is get your family together 
um, bind, let, let me bind you so close together that no air can pass between. Let yes. me solidify this thing because the enemy is going to try to use this to tear you apart. Yeah. But I want this to bring you closer together. And guys, let me tell you, those of you who are listening, Lawanda and her husband, I, I call them the sexy couple, okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> they are the sexiest couple I know. Like they be out here living life to its fullest and I'm not mad and they look good doing it. And so I just know that that's a testament that God is able to keep you and sustain you even in those most difficult times if you yeah. truly just relinquish it yeah. to him um Luanda, do you want to say anything to the listeners before we go I, I mean I'm, I'm just grateful that you had the courage to share your story here on on thank my you. podcast I thank you, you. Like, thank you uh I th- this is the first time I've heard the story so I was right here with you guys just like oh you know shedding a tear and everything but I thank you so much for sharing but is there anything that you want to say to them um to encourage them in whatever they're going through or yes um like I said before I just remain thankful and um even though that season has passed, um, there's not a day or a moment that I don't think about my son. And some days are harder than others. Or I'll say some moments because I could just be sitting here and all of a sudden just a whoosh of wind. It'll just, just hit me. And I'm like, Lord. And I, I shed my tear. I pick myself back up. I said, but Lord, I thank you. I am still grateful and I thank you. I thank you for giving me that little girl. I thank you. I never want to be selfish or not seem to be thankful. I don't want to seem like I'm ungrateful for what I have, you know, be that one that's like, but why didn't you just let me have or what? No, I thank you. So um, just in all that you go through, just remember to give him glory. Just remember to praise him. Just remember to thank him. And um, he'll bring you out of that. Because just as soon as I, my emotions take me there and I don't let it go too far before I begin to praise him and thank his name, because I know he'll bring me right back up out of it. And um, even in the midst, I didn't get a chance to share this with you all, but even in the midst of this, the nights that um, this happened and I had to go back home and lay in my bed, the pain was so much that I asked God to hide me. And I didn't know what that meant as a kid growing up. You hear the old folks say, you know, Lord, just had me. I didn't know what that meant until that night. And I said, Lord, just had me. And literally, I could see him wrapping his arms around me. It was like a cocoon. He was wrapping his arms around me. And I'm going on about my day and, you know, going on about my, my work schedule and going and going. I would cry and I would shed a tear. But I'm like, Lord, why is it that I don't feel anything? I'm like, what's going on? Why am I not feeling anything? And I remember I was driving to work and I could see myself pulling down the shield or the the wing or the blanket that was over me, peeking out for just a moment. And Hmm. the grief was so unbearable. Oh, my God. And I said, Lord, no, I can't. No. I can't. And he took me right back in. And I've never asked 
to see again. I've never asked to come up out of anything again. I've never asked. So I am a living witness that the Lord will keep you. He will hide you. He will protect you. He will keep your emotions if you just let him. And all you got to do is ask. Because that's all I did that night. I asked him because the pain was just, it was too much. And I couldn't handle it on my own. And to this day, the Lord has kept me. And I've never asked to be in a place of wanting to feel or no, I don't want to feel that. No, keep me from that because that's too much. That does not diminish the love that I have for my son. But I don't want to be around here um, in Mantino nowhere either. <laughs> <laughs> so I just. Mantino, I for those of you who do not know, oh, is, yeah. is, is a um, mental health mental <laughs> hospital so she doesn't, she doesn't want to be in the psych ward is what she's saying so I just I leave that with you all just trust God just trust him and all you got to do is ask him because he definitely hears you just ask him he hears you it's not hard um, remain thankful and just give him give him thanks and praise for where you are right now for what what he's already done beautiful um i think that will be the title for this episode lord hide me you hear me like that that prayer right there is powerful lord hide me so whatever you're going through whatever you're experiencing you know it may not be grief or loss but Mm -hmm. lord hide me because if you cover me what what's that scripture the the lord he who dwells in the shelter of the most high shall dwell in the shadow of the almighty yes yes hide me in your shadow yes. God, because that's a big hide shadow me. that's a huge shadow man like you shield yes. me from what's going on around yes. me yes man Lawanda thank you so much I am thank so grateful oh my goodness this has been amazing I know that this was a hard story to share but I thank you for being our very first game changer and I know that this conversation is going to help so many who I are dealing it, it yes. will it will so i am so grateful thank you so much for having us i mean for being here and for joining us guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of god put me up on game i pray that it has been a blessing to you please keep our guest our game changer lawanda miller in your prayers as she continues to move about and guys i just love you and thank you guys so much for tuning in until next time Kristen R. Harris, and I'm out. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.